When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. It's your home for long weekend shenanigans. And by shenanigans, I mean we're going to talk to some people about sports and probably read some comic books or something like that. It's out of control. I'm in my basement and it's out of control. How is everybody doing? What are you doing this long weekend? How are you feeling? Are you going to enjoy the heat? Are you going to golf? Are you going to sit by the lake? Are you going to Get a little kiddie pool for your dog to swim around in or walk around in. I did that a few weeks ago when it was really hot. He doesn't like it. He jumps right out of it. Oh, well. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Elks Radio 630. Ched, man, oh, man, we've had a lot of Oilers news over the last three weeks or so. We had the Duncan Keith trade. We uh, went into the draft. We had free agency. We had the Ethan Bear trade. It's been a a lot to talk about. We've been keeping you covered here on 630 Chet. And, of course, uh, the hockey storylines will always continue to be large ones. We'll have every Oilers game for you in the upcoming season. And we have the Elks games. Yes, indeed. They are back on 630 Chet after the CFL did not play in 2020. Next Saturday, August 7th, the Elks home to the Ottawa Red Blacks. It'll start at 8 o'clock. The game will start at 8 o'clock. Our coverage will start at 6. We got Morley Scott. We got Dave Campbell. We got Blake Dermott. We got Eddie Steele on board this year. Who knows who else we're going to have. It's going to be a blast. And uh, somebody asked me for my uh, predictions for the CFL this season. Uh, good luck. <laughs> uh, hard to say. I, I know talking to Morley a couple weeks ago, I said, what do you think? And he goes, pretty hard to handicap. I, I guess the consensus is that the Ottawa Red Blacks perhaps will not be very good and the Elks play them right out of the gate. So hopefully that'll help the team get off to a good start. But uh, but we'll see. But we'll see. So keep that in mind. You can always get in touch. The hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials, 780-496-0063. That is the same number to text you can email inside sports at 630 ched.com and follow me on Twitter if you are so inclined at Reed Wilkins, R E I D W I L K I N S. And I uh, thought this was pretty cool today. The Elks tweeting out this afternoon, they have created the Joey Moss Award. The Joey Moss Award, who of course passed away in the fall beloved in this community and a big part of the hockey team and the football team. And, uh, this is to, uh, honor somebody who persevered through adversity and embodies Joey's positivity. And the uh, winner of this one was Jonathan Rose, the uh, defensive back who came back from a pretty scary, uh, neck injury. And uh, now he's a member of the Elks defensive backfield. So he is a member Uh, or he's the winner of the first ever Joey Moss award. And what the Elks did as we bring Jed Roberts onto the show, of course, played many years for the green and gold and got to know Joey very well. Jed, what they did here, I think you're going to like this. They made a championship belt 
because Joey was big into wrestling. It's got the uh, double E logo on it. It's got a picture of Joey, and it says Joey Moss, Joey Moss Championship. So the, uh, pretty cool, I, I'm guessing you're liking this as well. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he uh, <laughs> Joey just loved WWE, you know, and he was always about, you know, talking about the latest uh, wrestling matches and flying around showing us, like, you know, his favorite wrestling moves, you know, the... <laughs> so it just makes me giggle whenever I see a wrestling belt because I can just see him uh, just, yeah. He uh one of a kind. So that was kind of cool to see that. I wasn't expecting that. I saw that on Twitter earlier today, and I just, just it just made me smile. So that's really cool that, that they did that for him. And I think that, uh, you know, Jonathan Rose gets it. I was I saw some of the, the really cool comments he made about it and how, you know, he didn't know him personally, but he understood, like, kind of the spirit with which the the award was granted to him. And, um, you know, he's come, a, he's come a long way himself, you know, after what happened with his neck. He wasn't sure if he was going to play again. And I actually heard him on an interview over the winter when he was talking about what happened and how mm-hmm. – everything sort of unfolded and then he was lucky that it wasn't worse than it was, you know, and uh, you know, he's come back a long way just to be able to play. So it's kind of exciting. I'm hoping to, it's going to be cool to see him play here in a week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you heard it on this show or not. Cause, but uh, yeah, I, I remember that it was, it was pretty uh, trying and obviously could have ended his career for sure. Just, yeah. uh, just another one on Joey. Like tell me a little bit about his, his daily energy. Like did did he did that rub off on you? Because I know you guys love being pro football players, but you're often beat up, and it's a little bit of a, a grind. Tell me about Joey's energy and the impact it had on you guys. You know what? Like Joey, uh, Joey had his own way of sort of talking, and I was one of the few people, along with Dwayne and Mandrusiak, who sort of understood him. And so I acted as an interpreter on a daily basis. So somebody would ask him a question or Joey would say something and I say he wants you to lift your feet up so that he can back you through your feet like you know what I mean like don't be a slob type of thing <laughs> um Joey had like a routine and he stuck to the script like he didn't like to be distracted from what he was doing because he was always afraid of getting in trouble with Dwayne and um he was pretty funny though like in the mornings when he would grab his coffee and he'd be walking over from the dining hall at Concordia over to the um training room him and I would always have an animated conversation. I had no idea what he was saying half the time either myself. And, you know, say I was his translator, but I was just guessing, you know, I'm a lip reader and <laughs> it, uh, it got pretty funny sometimes. And, you know, Joey was just like a, a mainstay. He was a fixture. He was part of the scenery, right? You know, he was a guy that, you know, you, you just understood that, you know, he was an icon, you know, is it, and he'd been here. I, I got here in 1990 and he'd been coming to camp, I think for four years, maybe three or four years. And um, I remember meeting him for the first time, and uh, we just started talking. And Joey was just that kind of guy. He just started talking to you like he knew you for 10 years, right? So I just rolled with it. And then uh, over the 13 years that I played, like, we had a lot of fun. And we'd even argue sometimes, you know, like he – we would argue about which which James Bond tune was the best. You know, I like Nobody Does It Better by Carly Simon, but he was really partial to – some of the older tunes and i you know i said you know what roger moore is the best james bond and he didn't agree with that you know so they like sean connery <laughs> that's awesome uh, those sound like fun conversations for sure jed roberts checking in tonight uh jed we we thought yeah, this would be a fun way to 
take people into the long weekend because Dave and I always love having you on the show and I appreciate yeah. that you promote your uh, your appearance here on Facebook promising some laughs, which I think we're going to have. But I want to ask you something about, I don't know if this is going to make people laugh or cry. We talked about it earlier in the week and I saw you uh, posting about it. Man, oh man, not only did Calvin McCarty come out of retirement, he went to the Calgary Stampeders. Like this doesn't compute for a lot of us. Yeah, you know what? It's a ruthless business at the end of the day, right? Like, you know, guys get cut because they have bonuses coming and, you know, guys have to be asked to take pay cuts because they're getting up there in age, you know, they're long in the tooth, that sort of thing. And I think that's what happened with Calvin. I think they sort of figured that because he's got his uh, family here that he might take the hometown discount. And I don't think Calvin was willing to do that. I'm speaking out of turn maybe because I don't know what that situation is, but you know, I think that he wanted to keep playing and, you know, the opportunity wasn't really kind of sort of materializing here. And he took what the best deal at the time was, which was to head down Highway 2 there, right? So, he, uh, you know, I'm really happy for him. I, I, I understand it, like, because I came out of retirement myself, like, two or three times. And, you know, I was always pretty smart. I waited until after training camp. And then <laughs> he come out of retirement. <laughs> then you wouldn't have to do any conditioning or anything like that. But uh, Calvin keeps himself in great shape, you know, and he'll do really well there. He's, he's such a he, – you know, he's, he's 36 years old, but he's probably – Physically, he's probably 28, you know. He keeps himself in shape, and he's so smart, and he's a great special teams player. And, you know, it's kind of tough to see him head down south, but I can't begrudge him, you know. I mean, he's just doing what's best for him. And, you know, I, I know the uh, Elks have uh, – they feel pretty strongly about the guys they have here. And, you know, they have a really good team. You know, I'd, I'd look at their roster up and down, and I got I, all the decisions that are – being made right now people are scratching their heads because veterans are being cut loose but you have to look at what they have physically and, and they're they're able to make those moves because they believe so strongly in the guys they have that they brought in so yeah well it's sean levin let go and then calgary picks him up right away and Jed, like jed i was mentioning before he came on that somebody asked me to predict the standings in the west and i put calgary first and i i just said well because calgary's always good and then if they pick up sean lemon i'm thinking okay what, do they know something that the elks don't know or is that just a better fit for them there but i know they didn't win the great cup the last time we played uh but i mean calgary's been a contender for for a very long time like they, they to me they have a program there like huffnagel passed it on to dickinson and they've kept rolling yeah, I firmly believe that that move with Lemon was probably twofold. The uh, first reason was probably they're going to make their edge rushers Canadian. Um, they have a bit of talent there on the edge. Like, if you look at their roster, they don't have any real body types there on the edge that are, um, you know, that have the American birth certificate. They're all, like, big guys in the middle, right, with the exception of the big kid they brought in from the draft. Um so I think that they're probably looking to go either with an all-Canadian defensive backfield or all-Canadian receiving core. I don't know. You never know. Or then maybe they'll add an extra offensive lineman. You know, who knows? But, um, you know, being around as long as I was, that's the, that was my first knee-jerk reaction. The second thing I thought was maybe, just maybe, and this is something that I was talking to a couple of people online about, was that, you know, you got a new defensive coordinator, and maybe he wants to be the loudest voice in the room. You know, you got a couple of veterans on defense that probably might, you know, roll their eyes a little bit. Um, and I'm speculating. I don't have any access to that dressing room. So, I mean, don't, don't take my word as gospel, but this is just kind of what I'm looking at from outside. Uh, I think they just want to go with some youth there at the linebacker position. If you look at the secondary and you look at the front seven, like the front, uh, the front four, they're loaded. Like, they've got talent everywhere. It's just the linebackers that are all rookies. If you look at the linebackers, 
zero, 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 zero experience in the CFL. So that's going to be interesting to watch because typically teams don't go in with that lack of experience at that position. So that's a bit of a calculated risk. So hopefully it pays off because I think physically those guys are all studs. Like they're all blue chip guys, especially that kid from Notre Dame. Uh yeah, you're, you're right. It's, uh, the, the new linebackers, but possibly very good linebackers. Jed Roberts yep. joining us on Inside Sports. Okay, so uh, perusing your social media as well, uh, and thanks for uh, plugging also our voting we had for the yeah. franchise all-star. Now, did you did you vote on that as a former player and as somebody well, who played with some of Of course I voted for myself. Of- yeah, I voted for myself. <laughs> and then uh, when I knew, I knew I wasn't going to get through that first round there, I voted for Gizmo, and then I voted for... Who else did I vote for? I think I voted for Jack Barker for, uh, for defensive back, I think. Because Jack played everything except for linemen. Yeah, he's so, all over he, the list. Like, he was going to be in there regardless. So, you know, and then you guys had the old, you know, take your 10 points and pick your positions and stuff. So, like, I voted on all of that. I love that stuff. Like, that's I could do that all day, you know. Um, I really enjoyed seeing some of the names you guys came up with. That was really awesome. Like, guys I hadn't thought of. Like, I, really cool to see Roger Nelson in there on offensive line. Um, right. And, and and made me feel old because I played with half of those guys. So that was uh, a bit of a reality check and kind of a blow to the ego. But, um, you know, I'm not getting any younger. But, um, yeah, it was really cool. I think you guys did a really good job, like, putting in the, the right people. And, and people are arguing about eras. You know, you got a guy like uh, – uh, who was the guy on the defensive line there that came in uh, in the 60s and 70s, the one uh, – Well, Fennell won. He was from the 70s yeah. and 80s. But there yeah. was another guy that played that was played at about two thirty, two thirty-five. Oh, I I, I just have the top four in each category. But okay. yeah, I mean, I think they tried to cover. Yeah, uh, like though, they right? tried. Yeah, you know, you get got you get guys like Jim Thomas, right? That that played in an era where they lost, they lost almost every game they played, right? And he was the only game in town really for ten years in the '60s and then the early '70s. I remember my dad telling me about him, saying he was unbelievable, but. He was running for his life the entire time he was there, right? He played for anybody else. He'd probably be, you know, <laughs> he probably would have won a handful of cups, but he never did, right? So um, it's tough because, you know, the, the the Elks played through that in the uh, the latter two tens there, the middle of the middle of the the, two, the first decade of this century, where you know they didn't wear very, win very many games. So you got a guy like Fred Stamps, who probably would have gone through if we would have been playing on winning teams. So I think that that hurts you. You know, you've got, you've got to take that into consideration. But I think all in all, I think you guys did a pretty good job of bringing up a, a balanced group of guys from most of the uh, eras were very well represented. And, and I think the voters kind of got it right. I mean, you can't argue with Gizmo special teams. and Well, that was the most on obvious defense. one. Yeah, I mean, those were obvious. Those are no-brainers, right? But the offensive line was interesting. You know, you got Rod, you got, you got Hector, you got uh, – Blake, you know, Blake, it's nice to see Blake because I think people, uh, they sleep on him because they don't realize how versatile he was. He could play all the positions on the O-line. There's not a lot of guys who could do that. Like, Rod never played tackle, you know, but Blake could play all all three positions there, guard, tackle, and both sides, actually. Um, and, you know, he never really got his due. So it was nice to see him get credit, you know. I want to ask you one more here. Uh, you know, Warren Moon won quarterback, which didn't surprise me. I, I didn't know who people were going to pick for the number two quarterback. It turned out to be Ricky. Do you remember who you how you ranked the quarterbacks? Yeah, I, I voted for Ricky because, I mean, Ricky didn't leave here because he wanted to, you know, and he would have stayed here if, if things hadn't materialized the way they did. And, and you know, 
it's hard to, I always wonder what would have happened if he would have stayed here, you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, Damon left and played for other teams and same with Matt, you know, um, they were, uh, you know, it, and again, it comes down to eras like Jax Parker was more of a different, like they played a different game back then. Right. So it was, a, mm-hmm. and he ran and he, you know, he basically was like an extra running back back there back then when he played, you know, so, um, it's kind of hard to, I don't know, like, and if you would have done this about 20 years ago, it probably would have been number two, you know? So, you know, and I, 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 I voted for Ricky, but that was for selfish reasons because I played with him, right? So right. I still want to feel relevant. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, <laughs> J- no, you are. Well, whenever you come on this show, you're relevant. Uh, yeah. Hey, Thank thanks. You. Thanks for doing this, Jed. It's, it's always a blast to catch up with you. Of course, we'll talk throughout the season and, and thanks for uh sharing your thoughts on on the voting and some of the other elk story you happy with what the oilers have done i know you follow them pretty close too yeah I, I am i think that they have a couple of glaring holes they need to get another goaltender or another goaltender coach <laughs> i don't know like they're you know that that's pretty obvious i think they need to shut down d-man i think they, they did a really good job of filling some of the holes on their their bottom six and uh you know they got a you know they're, they're heading in the right direction but boy holland's got to be careful you know with this goalie situation because that could really turn out to bite him if, if the holes they have on defense and goalie so i don't right know on. man i'm gonna be there for it regardless i'll be cheering for him so jed thanks for doing this have a great long weekend hey you too look forward to talking to you again soon jed roberts love having him on the show yeah 1990 to 2002 Played for the team we now call the Edmonton Elks. And a great personality. Always love chatting with him. Okay, here were the top vote-getters in each category. Special teams, Giz. Defensive line, Dave Fennell. Linebacker, Dan Kepley. Defensive back, Larry Highbaugh. O-line, Heck Pothier. Running back, Normie Kwong. Receiver, Brian Kelly, who we had on the show last night. And Warren Moon at quarterback. We will have our own Moon, Cam, when we get back. Okay, thanks for tuning in tonight. Blue Jays back in Toronto. Top of the fourth, they lead the Kansas City Royals 3-0. George Brett not playing tonight for the Royals. We got a text here, 780-496-0063. A few texts. Uh, This person says, Jackie Parker played many positions. The Bombers' Kenny Plain, I hope I'm saying that right, P-L-E-I-N, must be Plain was also an all-star safety. The imports were expected to play both ways. I have never watched football where the majority or even some of the players played both ways. I am not of that uh, vintage. That would be interesting to go back in time and watch some of those games. Rob in Capilano says, Reed, I am coming over for a couple beers. Oh, my goodness. I hope I'm stocked up, Rob. Rob also predicts that the Elks will blow out the Red Blacks by a score of 54-6. Oh, we got an early prediction for next Saturday. 54-6 from Robin Capilano. That would be a party at Commonwealth if that happened. And Colton, who named a calf after me, he says, hey, Reed, what are your thoughts on Derek Ryan? For me, he's like Mark Letestu 2.0, solid in his own end, wins face-off, scores clutch goals. P.S. I never got my canned ham, so I had to resort to salmon for dinner. Ha-ha. 
If I can't get a canned ham, a 630 Ched coffee mug would do. Thanks, Reed. Keep up the good work and enjoy the long weekend. Colton, we'll get we'll find a way to get you a canned ham eventually. I shouldn't have started the canned ham thing in the middle of a pandemic. Well, that's why I'm a radio host and not a marketing guru. I think Derek Ryan, now Siri, Latestu, it was kind of an odd journey for Latestu because he was brought in to help the special teams in more so on the penalty kill, but I think he actually helped the power play more than he did the penalty kill. Uh, I think his face-offs were pretty good. I, I can't remember the exact percentage. Derek Ryan's face-off percentage, I would I would guess, is better than Latestu. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if Ryan's going to have a ton of offense, but er- everything that I hear about Derek Ryan is that he's very like hockey IQ is excellent. Even talking to a couple of guys who played with him at the U of A. Um, I, you know, obviously he's not going to be relied on to score in the role he's playing. He's going to take face-offs. He's going to have to check. I mean, he's probably playing 10 to 12 minutes a night. And his analytics are are very good. And I do think there is some value to that. I, I know not everybody is into analytics, but they are a part of hockey and there is meaning to them. I, I think you have to, you know, figure out how you're using them and how they apply. But uh, Jonathan Willis from the athletic posted that the other night that he, he uh, of all the flames forwards, he had some of the, uh, or he might've had, I think the 12th most ice time. So not a lot, but he had the best Corsi. He had the best uh, shot percentage, goal percentage, expected goal percentage and, uh, and things like that. So yeah, I, I, I think he can help. I, he certainly knows his role. I mean, sometimes players go to a new team and they think, oh, yeah, well, I was a, you know, I was a third liner in San Gudo. I'm going to go to Toefield and I'm going to be a second liner. You know, Derek Ryan knows why he's being brought here. Another guy who knows why he's being brought here on Inside Sports Tonight is my good friend Cam Moon, play-by-play voice for the Oilers on the good old radio. Mooner, what's going on? I was really excited to hear your... Uh your Elks talk with Jed Roberts. I appreciated that quite a bit. I love Jed. He's great. He's, uh, he's opinionated. He's respectful. He's funny. He's uh, analytical. He's got it all. One of the best interviews ever was a few years ago. He did probably 20 minutes just on watching film. And it was fascinating. Like I, you would think, okay, we could do three minutes on that. It was fascinating. Like going over to, uh, uh, I can't remember who it was. If he crossed over with Danny Bass, some are Larry Ruck, but like whoever's house he went to just had stacks of VHS tapes and he would just throw one in the machine, watch another team. And then yeah. what I found was really interesting. They would watch tapes of themselves because they didn't want to have any tendencies that could be picked apart by the other team. And the way Jed explained everything they were looking at, I was just, wow, like so much detail. Well, football, Hey, like it's, it, and it, isn't it interesting to, to, delve into a different sport and get into seeing how it gets broken down by coaches or players something like that where if you grew up in hockey your whole life it's completely different i find that fascinating i would i would be riveted to listen to those guys talk about the game and what they're looking for because i wouldn't know what to look for that would be i would find that amazing well that's and and the the great thing about our jobs, Cam, is that 
we have access. You know, we can do interviews. Sometimes we can get little behind-the-scenes tidbits or, or little scoops, and sometimes it's not even... Sometimes you might find out something and it's not like you run to the radio and report it. You just say to yourself, I'm going to file that away, right? Yeah. Or maybe you see something in practice and you think, I'm going to just file that away. I don't need to go blurt it out and make a big deal out of it. But maybe maybe I'm going to see that in a game. Maybe it's in yeah. five days. Maybe it's in five months, right? So, But the one thing I would like to do that I've never done, and I may never get to do this, because football teams, let's face it, a lot of football coaches are paranoid, Cam. I hope yeah, you don't mind, yeah, mind me saying are. that. If, if there's nope. any football coaches out there listening to this that either made them laugh or made them really angry, uh, I <laughs> would love to sit in on a football meeting, you know, or even yeah. just with the quarterbacks. What do you talk about? What do you look at? Because I feel like I, I would learn so much in half an hour because it's easy for us to sit in the stands and say, well, you threw that interception. Like, how? What are you doing? How did you not see the guy? But there's there's so much more behind it than that. I'd love to sit in oh, on a meeting. I agree. I I would like to sit in on like a linebacker meeting. I would I would love to hear the strategy behind defense of the linebacker position because I think that that position is incredibly challenging. They have to defend the run. They have to defend the pass. In the CFL, you have so much room to cover. I think that would be uh, that would be pretty it would be pretty cool to hear that. I can't wait for the first game coming up on the seventh. I can't wait. Like, I am fired up for this. It's been a couple of years, my friend. I can't wait. A Saturday night at Commonwealth. It doesn't get any better. Yeah, and, and Dave's coming up in the next half hour of the show. Dave Campbell, who will have some more storylines. The Elks had to do quarterback today. So, yeah, I, it's just, it's. I, I mean, we do this, we do jobs like this because we like games. That's ultimately why we yeah. do it. Uh, I mean, we could talk about salary caps and buyouts. And, and then, of course, obviously, last year, so many of the stories was, oh, we're not playing. Uh, we don't know when we will, specifically with the CFL. Uh, yeah. Murr texting in. I just got to read this to you. Murr on the text line. He says, the best part of the day, I got to switch to Murr the Stamps guy. Real excited. And Derek Ryan is great hockey smarts wise. Flames will miss him, I believe. Uh, Murr changes his handle season to season. He has been Murr the Flames guy for the last few okay. months. Now he is Murr the Stamps guy. He has transitioned into football season. So Murr has made it official. Well, I appreciate that that Murr likes to text in, and uh, I can totally uh, understand his loyalty uh, to his teams, misguided as it may be. Uh, I, I appreciate it. I do. Uh, well, I appreciate Murr because, yeah, we're we're obviously a relatively Edmonton and Northern Alberta focused show. So we got a guy who likes the Flames and the Stamps tuning yeah. in. So. Uh, uh, we welcome I am him honored. aboard, don't we? Hey, we welcome him aboard. <laughs> yeah, he's he's been listed for a few years. He, I think, I might have lost a bet or two to Murr the Stamps guy over the years because the Elks and their and in their previous yeah. name didn't do very well on Labor Day for the last few years. Oh, so no, I, for, I, it, the, seems, it seems like it's been a while. Is it eight years now? I, it's it's oh. too long to remember. I'm going to quickly give it a Google here. I don't, I don't know. It seems it's, like uh, eight years. Seems like twenty eight years. Well, it's not that long. <laughs> oh, no, I know. I, I think I went in O two or O three. I was there, and and, and yeah, it's eight in a row. And I'm eight in a row. Oh boy, it's eight in a row for the stamps on Labor Day, and twelve of the last fourteen. Yeah, it's not. It's not been good. Ouch. Yeah. Oh, sorry, well. Cam. Yeah, we'll see. Hey, we'll see this year. But you got to give Calgary credit. 
I got to give the Stampeders credit. They do, and you, you talked about it earlier. Uh, just about the the program there. Dave Dickinson uh, is head coach now. Before that, like they they've done such a good job. Like you have to respect it. You don't have to like it. <laughs> as, as an Edmonton fan, you don't have to like it. We have to respect it. You're in. You're out. They've been really good. You know, both sides of the ball. So I got to give them credit there. I hope Edmonton beats them every time they play them this year. But I totally understand and respect how good they've been and the way they've done it. It's actually been very impressive. Yeah, I mean, good Canadians, and and then they find talent, and a lot of times, oh, well, this guy retired, so now they're not going to have a good player at that. Oh, the new guy's even better. Like, that's... Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) That's... It's... But, yeah, they... And Dave Dickinson is is very easy to like as a person. He seems to me like a really good guy. All right. Let's touch on something else that Murr, the Flames slash Stamps guy, said, and uh, Colton wrote in about it as well. Derek Ryan, uh, he said, you know, is he Mark Letestu 2.0? I I don't know how direct that comparison is, but I understand why you would bring it up because of the hockey smarts and the – and, and, and like I said, Cam, you got to be willing to play your role. You, you of course, all players want to get better and want to score goals and be star players, but you also have to know who you are and be that. Absolutely, yes. You you need to find, especially in the NHL, the majority of these players before they got to the NHL were all the best players. They were the best players on their team. So in more cases than not, they were top two lines, top 4D, or number one goaltender. That's that's what they were. And then some have to change. They have to reinvent themselves. And some can do it. Some can't. And those guys will, will play in the American League for a while. They might get a cup of coffee in the NHL, and then they're back in the American League, and, and then they're somewhere else, and then they're out of hockey because they weren't able to – make that adjustment but a guy like Derek Ryan has he found his niche and it's not like you know this is a guy that had to really really work hard to get to the NHL like he didn't just step out of junior and play a couple years in the American League and get to the NHL no he went and played four years for the University of Alberta then he went to Europe then he went to the American League then he got to the NHL and has come through a niche uh, as like a third-line guy or a fourth-line guy, a PK guy that can win face-offs, that's very responsible in his own end. At the same time, has still picked up significant amount of points in the NHL. But the number one priority for him has been the defensive side of the puck, which he's done very well, and you got to give him credit. And, and the fact that he's you know, very familiar with Edmonton, being a Bears player for four years, and... And him coming back here, I, I just think that's, I think he's a really responsible player, uh, a very smart, cerebral player that uh, is going to be a good addition to the Edmonton Oilers. And if he can you know, still chip in offensively here and there, as he has in the past, whether that be in Carolina or Calgary, I mean, he had back-to-back 38-point seasons. Uh, and, and both those years, he was you know very healthy and played a lot of games. But still, uh, if he's able to do that, then uh, he's going to be a huge asset for this team. Cam Moon joining us tonight on Inside Sports. We should uh, congratulate here some people who are, are a big part of our professional lives, but who are behind the scenes. 
and uh, don't get enough credit for what they do, but they are getting some credit today, and I, and I want to pile on with that as well. The uh, Professional Hockey Writers Association every year gives out the uh, Dick Dillman Award to the top NHL PR staffs. They usually do one in each conference. Today they decided to do one in each division because of the unusual schedule. And the Oilers staff of Director of Hockey Communications Jamie Cartwell, Manager of Hockey Communications Sean May, and Manager of Hockey Communications and Team Services Kate Doyle, uh, one for the North Division. Uh, oddly enough, I still haven't got to meet Jamie in person because he got hired during Neither the pandemic. But, he, but he's uh, he's an Edmonton guy, did go work in Vancouver for a while. Uh, Sean and Kate are, are great. And these are the people that put up with uh, basically all of our crap throughout the year, yeah. just to sum it up. And they did a really good job. <laughs> and they did a great job. I, yeah, I look forward to the day I get to meet Jamie. Uh, I, I sort of met Kate as she was coming out of the building one night <laughs> and and Bob and I waved and Sean I've met before uh at the rookie the rookie game in Edmonton a few years ago or in Red Deer a few years ago but yeah I haven't met Jamie either but he's been yeah they were great like they they helped facilitate all the interviews and this year because of COVID they were all Zoom interviews which isn't ideal but it works and yeah, I can't imagine what they had to go through and, and how busy their jobs would be and updating game notes and getting all that information out and all that stuff. It's a lot of work. It's, it seems like when the season's on, it seems like it's absolutely endless. But I thought they did an amazing job, very professional, and I'm glad they were recognized. On the line, inside sports on 630 Shed. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Going into the long weekend. Hope it's going to be a good one for you. I'll be uh, heading to uh, Art Walk on White Ave to pick up my dad after my shift today. He's once again showing his art in the old Army and Navy building. 3 to 8 tonight, 10 to 5 tomorrow and Sunday. I think the final weekend for Art Walk. Usually it's right out on the avenue, but they've modified it uh, this year with some of the COVID regulations. So it is uh, spread out over a few weekends and it is inside the old army and Navy building. Anyway, there's the shameless plug for my father, Mooner. Hey, I want to touch on this quickly with you. The, uh, of course the camps for U18, U20 going on uh, just North of Calgary this weekend for hockey Canada. You, you did a summer. Was it a summer you did with hockey Canada and where did you go again? Oh, that was, uh, that was the U18 2012 in Czech Republic. Um, the the Rebels didn't make the playoffs that year, and they needed a, a media guy, although I'm not quite sure why. There was really no media at the event, so uh, Jeez. <laughs> they needed somebody like to watch. Nobody? Like, no. Who was, who was in the stands? Not many people. <laughs> there was mostly scouts. <laughs> so... I kind of just watched the players. It was, it was a bit of a babysitting job. I kind of understand why Hockey Canada outsourced it after I got there. It, it completely made sense at, at that point. But it was fun. It was a good event. Uh, and Hockey Canada, I mean, they roll out the red carpet. They do a great job. And, and that team uh, won bronze that year. And Josh Morrissey was on that. Darnell Nurse, uh, Matt Lurie, Matt Gumba. 
Scott Lawton was on that team. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. It was a lot of fun. It was nice. To, and we were we were in Czech Republic for oh just over three weeks. So you you got to see a little bit too. So it was good. What city were you in primarily? Brno, which is their second largest city. We were in Prague for a few days and for one exhibition game, and then the tournament was in Brno and played a couple of games in Breklov. Uh, you always see that one on the on the U18s. Oh, at the uh, back when it uh, the Gretzky Halinka, they usually play the the when they were there. It was at that arena in Breklov, which is. Uh, Really cold drink, even when it's warm outside. But yeah, it was it was good. It was good. At, uh, Czech Republic, a wonderful country, and I really liked going there. I would go back there in a second. But there was like no hype around the tournament at all. No, no, there was hardly any fans. Uh, when the Czech Republic played, then there was some fans, not a ton, but some. But it, it's really a high, high-profile event for scouts because it's in April. And you're getting to see, with the exception of the Canadian players that are still playing in the Canadian Hockey League playoffs, you're getting to see all the best draft eligibles all in one spot. So the amount of not just NHL scouts, but like general managers of teams that were there was off the chart. So it is one-stop shopping for that. And, And for that reason, it's a very high profile event. But as far as like, Fans in the stands, yeah, there there weren't a lot. There was some, but it wasn't. It was the rink in Brno is probably about a six thousand seat barn, and they might get two grand when when Czech Republic played, and otherwise, you know, you'd be counting in the hundreds the amount of people. Wow, All yeah, right. the fifty uh, not big. How about that? <laughs> yeah, fair yeah. enough. Mooner, uh, we're out of time. Otherwise, we would just oh. keep going. But Dave's gonna come on. I'll, maybe I'll okay. see you at the football game. Thanks for doing this. Okay, I'll be at the football game. Cam Moot, play-by-play voice for the Oilers here on 630 Chad, the Oilers Radio Network. Love having him on the show. 630 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.